I'm very well, thank you. That's How good. are you? Yeah, good, 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 good. All right, well, let's get stuck into it. So as a human, you know, your early stages. <laughs> Coming in hot. <laughs> Coming in very hot. I said to him, I'm like, you're literally just going straight hard. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, go for it. So as a human, your early years define you as a person, right? <laughs> yes, I believe so. Yeah. So what context of your early years do you need to let us know that can help us understand you as a human? Okay, so I like to say that I'm Russian-born, Perth-bred and Melbourne-based. So I spent the first eight years of my life growing up in Russia, which was quite an experience. Um, I guess I didn't know any different. So at eight years old, I moved to Perth, Western Australia with my family and I couldn't speak a word of English, so I had to learn the language. I remember they told my mum if she doesn't learn it within a month, she has to go to an international school. So I had to – kids are like sponges, so I picked it up pretty quick and within a month I was, you know, chattering away. My mum couldn't understand me. Wild. Um, (laughs) still can't understand you, I'm guessing. Yeah. (laughs) But I feel like, um, you know, the juxtaposition of the two different upbringings, just polar opposite childhoods, and I'm very blessed to have experienced them both. Um, So, yeah, I feel like I feel, I guess, half Russian, half Australian, kind of leaning towards Australian. But um, it was, yeah, it was quite jarring growing up in Russia. I feel like they're very stringent and strict in terms of things like academics. And when I came to Australia, I was a lot more lax. So I feel like, yeah, I really assimilated to the culture and yeah, I loved it. So I've been in Melbourne for the past five, six years and I love it. It's just a beautiful place that encourages and nurtures creativity. And yeah, that's a little bit about my childhood. Yeah, nice, nice. <clears throat> well, what do you think, what pieces of the Russian culture do you think are still sticking in? Oh, God. Um, I think I'm a little bit addicted to achievement, I think. And that's, <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> You're in the right that's, you know, in a creative field, we're all very ambitious people. But I feel like with me, um, part of why it was a little bit difficult for me growing up in Russia is, yeah, a lot of pressure is placed on kids with achievement and academia. And a lot of children of immigrants you know, they experience something similar where you almost feel obligated to achieve great success in your life because, you know, your parents brought you to this country and you feel like it's your duty almost to um, achieve great things. So since I was a kid, I was, it was really instilled in me. It was very important to work very hard. Um, but, yeah, I think I, I didn't really like the pressure that they put on kids in terms of academia. So that's something I'm trying to work on, being super hard on myself in terms of whenever I achieve a long-term goal, I always feel like there's something else. So I I need to sit with that feeling. We're all like this, I think. I I can definitely relate to that because I'm Croatian, right? I wasn't born over there, but my upbringing was very similar in terms of like the expectation to perform in anything you were doing. Do you think that comes from, you know, your parents obviously growing up in Russia as well, that f- that fear that's instilled in them of lack and scarcity because their upbringing mm. was so difficult. So you almost have to respect what they went through, but then you also have to draw a line because you now live in Australia and you're not facing the same sort of things that they would have mm. had to experience when they were younger. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all they've ever known, that mm. scarcity mindset. Um, they, a lot of the time, I shouldn't say they, that's a blanket statement, but a lot of the time in those kind of cultures, uh, they don't really, um, they can't conceptualise mm. abundance because, yeah, they were not, they didn't see it growing yeah. up, you know, yeah. and you can't really fathom something you can't see a lot of the time. Um so, yeah, I definitely think so. And with my mum, you know, for the longest time, because she grew up in Soviet times and they have very limited resources, she had to then undo a lot of that conditioning when she came to the country. So it's definitely possible. I mean, she's in her 50s now and she's already on her path to undoing that. But it's, yeah, it's a long road once you're conditioned from young to think that yeah. way. So I often wonder if I did stay in Russia, how would I be different, you know, because I'm very open-minded. I do believe in limited, unlimited resources and I have the abundance mindset. So I wonder if I stayed, would I be like that as well? And I think it's a generational thing oh, as well with access to the internet. Even the next generation in Russia is growing up embracing these new ideals. I feel like we're all kind of getting pretty homogenised now in the later generations because you can see so much stuff from so many different cultures quite easily. Yeah. How, do you, how do you think, from your experience, like seeing your mum going from Soviet Russia to Australia and then the development of her, you know, she, like, sorry, peeling away all of those layers, mm. that those scarcity mindset layers that she's assimilating into a culture like Australia, which is a wonderful country, um, what have you seen techniques-wise that she's that have helped? I think a lot of the time these parents also take inspiration from their children. You know, mm-hmm. when you move in silence and they could see you building your own success on your own terms, that also gives them permission to do the same and realise, hey, maybe this new way of living that I haven't experienced before, maybe there's something to this. Yeah. Um, I also think... With my mum, she's quite committed to self-development and that journey. So um, exposing yourself to resources, new ways of thinking, thought leaders and books, podcasts, things like that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I'll, I'll have to ask her that one because I feel like um, you just have to be committed to your self-awareness and you have to want to change and surround yourself with the right people. Um, and I think she also, you know, as a result of being an immigrant, she's been here over 20 years. You, you do pick up some of these things along the way. Yeah, because my mm. dad was born in Egypt and came to Australia when he really? was 20. Yeah. I'm half Egyptian. And I've spoken to him about this a bunch and he's, you know, started his own business and he's worked for himself for a long time. And he said to me, especially I think from like Arab descent and especially yeah. after 9-11, he was like, it got really hard. Um, so I can only imagine, you know, Russia's kind of probably in a similar branding wise to, to, to like Arabs when it comes to Australia. Um, cause I think some, to be honest, I think sometimes like Aussies are a little bit racist. <laughs> like I've seen <laughs> oh, that, yeah. like, and it's weird cause all we are is just like a melting pot of cultures. We, yeah. we aren't any, there's not really Australian culture. It's just like all these different cultures that have come together and gone, all right, we're going to just hang out. (laughs) But I think it's also because these countries, like whether it is Croatia, Russia, Egypt, wherever, like all they know is survival. Like that's it. So when it's that fight or flight state that they're constantly living in and that's the environment that they've had to grow up in, like you said, it's all they know. Yeah. So then you come to a place like Australia where you do have a lot of freedoms that a lot of countries don't have. 
So it just becomes this whole mammoth mountain of having to actually draw the awareness to the things. I, do, I understand because I look at my grandmother and my grandmother doesn't know half the stuff I've done in my lifetime. She, she knows nothing. She still thinks I work at Cotton On. <laughs> I, I quit five years ago. Like, but she still thinks that, that – and it's just sometimes easier because they're so much older now that they don't want to change. And who am I yeah. to change them at that age? Like they've believed this one thing their whole life or multiple things this whole life – their whole lives, sorry. Um, it's kind of like, well, I'm just going to have to set boundaries in place for me to just live my life the way I know how to and – just lie to her for the rest of my life. Like, like- <laughs> <laughs> We've actually spoken about this. But I think I think a big part of it is as you went back to you know your, mm. your family, kind of seeing you and then modeling off you. I think you lead by example. Absolutely, yeah. You can definitely. lead by example so much. Um, but you know, I don't know. Do you think? Would you say you know with you've you've done a lot in your life? Like, do you want to start? Do you want to talk about some of the things that you're, you're proud of? Oh gosh, <laughs> um, I I don't know why I still hesitate to talk about um, achievements, but I guess graduating. Why uni- is that? Do you think? Oh well, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. It's like toxic humility sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. If that's a term that I coined, but um, trademark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, um, but that's a topic for. Later on, I'll just, I guess I'll answer the question. Um, <laughs> so I guess graduating from uni, pretty proud of that. And what did you study? Um, so I studied commerce, um, majoring in human resource management and international business. Actually, wow. So I actually went into law and psychology because, I, you know, I don't know how else to say this, I did feel family pressure to – in Russia there's only a few recognised <laughs> professions. You're not a doctor. Yes. <laughs> you are nothing. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Medicine, law, engineering. Yeah, I know so exactly saying, what you're yeah. saying. I know exactly what you're saying. Very similar. Croatian, Egyptian, you know, these kind of cultures have a similar mentality. I can relate to a lot of people from Asian countries as well who experience this similar family dynamic. But it, it took a lot of guts to say to my mom, like, Mom, I don't really want to do this anymore. You know, this isn't the right path for me. But I still knew that I needed to go to uni that's how I felt at the time yeah I have to get a degree so I chose the most um versatile degree I could think of and that was commerce um something else I'm really proud of that really stands out um when I was a kid so I was always into the arts I was a junior ballroom champion I really loved to dance things like that I this seems silly to some but to me this is like one of my biggest achievements because I remember how I felt on that day and it was just so ecstatic. So I had it in my head that I wanted to win a school talent show when I was nine (laughs) and I practised every single day. I sang Britney Spears, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Can we Um, we hear it? (laughs) Maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) Try again in half an hour. (laughs) All the boys would tease me. They're like, what are you then, a boy? And I'm like, no, you just don't get the song. You know, there's more depth to it. But I used to practice in front of the mirror. I did all the actions. I used to really look up to Britney and want to be just like her. Britney Um, pre 
Shaving the head or post head <laughs> shaves? Or now? Her Instagram's wild. Have you seen what she posted? I, I follow her, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen what she's been through? That poor girl. Yeah. Oh, I feel like she needs like a publicist or yeah. someone. But yeah, no, she's great. I admire her for what she's done in her life. Um, and yeah, I won the show. I feel like I manifested it, honestly. Like I could just picture it. I was like, this is mine for the taking. I'm going to win this talent show. I don't know, to be an immigrant as well, um, feeling like I was a bit of a misfit, not speaking the language and then having an achievement like that. I was just so, you know, people come up to me, congratulated me. I'm still really fondly holding on to that feeling. That's one of my top three, top three memories. Do you think it's because like, is that what you wanted to be when you were younger? Like a performer of Definitely. So I used to go to the cinema um, Mm. with my class and I used to point at the movie posters and I was like that'll be me one day and all my friends were like yeah right that will never be you so when I moved to Melbourne I actually got into acting which I could talk about later on um but yeah I think I always wanted to have a platform and use my voice and get into the creative fields but I guess um my most notable achievement which I have to mention um being crowned Miss Universe Australia for 2021 (laughs) (laughs) which um was very cool um yeah, that What was that experience like? My experience was, I like to think of it as a world first because Melbourne, as you know, had one of the longest lockdowns in the world. Not the longest. It was. It was. Sure it was. Yeah. yeah. Wow, which is wild. So for me, um, the program was still run the same. They judged the girls um, of the same merits, the same kind of judging criteria. What other we judging actually, criteria? Don't we don't like to say judges. We say selection, selection committee. It's which all is, branding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Us um, mental health. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> but, yeah, so the I guess – the, there's a lot of criteria, you know, they look at how you honour the sponsors online, on social media, which wasn't a criteria before, but now it's very what important. Hmm? What does that even mean? Uh, honour the sponsors. Yeah. Wow, I mean, that sounds so great. <laughs> Basically, being, you know, doing the post for the sponsors, there are a lot of sponsors that go into the program and without them, you know, we wouldn't have a program. So doing that, honouring that, doing your due due diligence and also there's a Q&A the infamous Q&A's you know we've all seen the YouTube videos of the pageant fails which um was a big concern of mine because you know um who would want to put their foot in their mouth on a world global stage um thankfully my answers went okay um it got me the title but yeah things like your walk so it's all It's the full package, I guess. They look in Australia, they do things a bit differently. They're not looking for the perfect pageant girl with perfectly rehearsed answers. I guess they want someone that can relate to Australians, can relate to people. Um, They could put you on a morning show and you could just have some banter and have a chat. So, um, yeah, very lucky to have had that opportunity. And I was actually in my living room because of the lockdown. So while the criteria was the same, we had to do it over Zoom. Oh, really? So awkward. <laughs> yeah, so I did it two years in a row. Both years I was in lockdown. Um, the first year I did it, we were lucky enough to – we couldn't travel into state at that point, but we had hubs. So we gathered in little hubs, like all the state finalists, um, and we had, you know, a camera crew, things like that. So you weren't by yourself. But the year I won, I was by myself. Um yeah, so that was quite an experience. I don't think that's ever happened in a world before. You could actually see it on YouTube, the camera panning to me as I win, and there was a bit of a time lag as well. <laughs> You're like, 
The winner is Daria Balamova. And it took a while to register. And then my reaction, I was like, I'm not very good at, I don't know whether it's a Russian conditioning thing, but I'm not very good at showing emotions in times like that. Okay, next next thing to win. (laughs) I did. I think I was in too much shock to feel any joy. Um, but it definitely hit later. I was just, yeah, in complete shock. I was flabbergasted because I kind of didn't really expect it. And then I had about two hours sleep that night. The next morning I was on a morning show virtually. Um, I had a bunch of flowers. Um, it's so funny. It was my first time on a morning show um, doing live TV and I didn't really – I wasn't familiar with the process. <laughs> so when Especially I, on Zoom. Yeah. yeah so, oh, yeah, true. So they were announcing me and then they panned to me but I didn't <clears> – <throat> I wasn't ready, so I was like fixing my hair. Like, I'm like, oh hi. Okay, <laughs> I, mean, I didn't see you there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> relatable content. So exactly, works. and then we did a Herald Sun shoot, and I don't know. It never really hit me until I was overseas representing the country. I had just a few weeks to get ready. The competition was held in Israel, um, wow. and there was a lot of political turbulence at the time. Um, so there was a lot of controversy surrounding the location. A lot of the girls, um, representing their countries, they got a lot of hate online for actually going. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very intense experience. Speak, I don't want to change it. Speaking of hate, like how have, um, do you, I'm guessing you get haters and all that sort of stuff. Like how do you go mm. dealing with that and maintaining mental health, you know, positive, cause it's tough. I think mm. the whole, uh, what's, I'm actually genuinely curious about, like, congratulations, because that, I'm just sitting here thinking about trying to get up on a stage and all that, and I'm like, thank you, man. <laughs> like, kudos to you. Podcast, though. <laughs> but, yeah, well, um, but the, pro- the whole process of, like, I just, my head goes straight to getting a group of beautiful women in a room together competing for this title mm-hmm. um, with the likes of social media, sponsors, all these things, like, how does the whole comparison game go for mm. your mental health? Like how does – do you just go, oh, I'm just here because I'm doing a good thing. This is going to give me opportunities to help other people in the mm. future or whatnot. What was that like? So I'm always – I've always been a big proponent of staying in your own lane. Mm-hmm. It's very important to me. Um, all the girls are beautiful. They're so accomplished. You wouldn't believe what some of these girls get up to. Their achievements are incredible. They're kind-hearted. Um, they're charismatic. The thing is, there's very little competition, funnily mm. enough. The girls are very supportive of one another. I've been very lucky. I've made friendships for life. Um, I think as it, the competition heats up, it's only natural sometimes to inadvertently compare yourself to others. I think it's just important to bring yourself down to yeah. earth and realise, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges. Yeah. You know, there'll always be someone you know, more beautiful, smarter, more accomplished, funnier. You can't fixate on that because people, um, they do have different strengths, you know, and you can't mould yourself to be someone else. Say if I won on the merit of pretending to be someone I'm not. It'll, it'll collapse eventually. It'll collapse. You mm-hmm. can't, there's only so long you could keep that up. So you've got to... Exactly right. <laughs> and <laughs> I can just picture you as a judge. You do you, boo. And you, and you. <laughs> you know, the judges have been around for so long. They are very good at spotting authenticity, yeah. I think. I think that's human nature. If you're good at reading people, you could see when someone's genuinely passionate about something. For me, I thought um, I didn't want to – so a lot of the girls, they have advocacies, things they stand for that they're passionate for, 
And we get asked, like, what would you use the platform for? And you can't just fixate on the most trending topic at the time if that's not really a passion. For me, it was mental health. And I feel like that was done to death a little bit because, well, that's how I felt at the time. Like, oh, everyone says they're in mental yeah. health. It's like Miss Congeniality. That's what my head goes Well, like, peace. Well, peace. Of like, course. <laughs> but that's very important. Well, peace. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, mental health, you know, my personal journey with that, I was diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder at such a young age. I don't like the word disorder, but um, that's what it is. It's very common. Um, Do you think that came from deal. the like, upbringing, the, the challenging upbringing and being thrown into a country mm. that you know nothing about and having to like sink or swim very quickly? I feel like a lot of perhaps, if anything, that built my resilience. But I think a lot of these things, their nature and nurture combined – um, things like neuroticism, I don't know. I don't know how much of that is nature and how much is nurture. But definitely, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't change it because anxiety can be beneficial. There's yeah. positive aspects to it. It keeps you safe and those dangerous situations, you know. Um, so I can't say. But that was my experience. And I also had two male friends and their lives, um, which was, yeah, very difficult and um, I'm the older sister to two brothers mm. and I know a lot of the time men they don't tend to it's changing now but traditionally they don't tend to speak about these topics and their emotional well-being as much with their peers so I made it my duty I promised myself that if I had this opportunity I almost made a deal with the universe I was like I promise I'll make it worth your while if I have this opportunity I'm going to do something with Partnering it. So. With, <laughs> yeah. With you know what? It works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it 100%. Mm. It works. So I do. Yeah. Kudos. <laughs> okay. I, I, look, I've had a similar, like I've had multiple friends over the years like, commit suicide and so I fully get it. And that's a big reason why I'm like mm. so focused on that part of, you know. Yeah. Well. So I, I do understand. I think also having someone in my position you know, if if people look up to me, like a lot of young women, then I think it'll be very validating for them to see that um, you can be Miss Universe Australia, you know, you can attend these glamorous events or you could have all these things going on, which, by the way, don't contribute to my happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just a part of my work. But you can have those things going on and still, you know, have – the mental health issues as well. Still be human. Yeah, you could still be human. I wouldn't even call them issues, you know. They're very common. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it's it's just with the accolades and all that sort of stuff and all these kind of, you know, shining in the lights. There's, mm. there's people think it will make them happy, but a lot of these things don't make people yeah, happy. It's the hedon- hedonic treadmill. Hedonic treadmill, yeah, yeah, she gets it. Yeah. Um, so, like, at what point did you realise that that, I'm guessing you've gone through that and at what point did you realise that was the case and then what did you do following that to begin to like work through finding that place of happiness? You just asked like five questions. Yeah, can you sorry, reframe sorry, the sorry, question? Sorry, I was sorry. a little bit confused. Like, I'm, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Okay, all right. So <laughs> what did I even ask? <laughs> I was just in flow. I was just yeah. um, so you know, you're naming lies, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Some people attach to that, you know, these outcomes as the possible point of them being happy. But after you do a lot of this stuff and most people realise eventually that it doesn't, it's just this weird thing where once you get to this goal, you're like, oh, okay. 
So I'm guessing you felt that way when mm. you felt that way. What happened and where have you gone since then? I guess I feel like, I don't know <laughs> if this answers your question, but I'll try my best. I feel like some a lot of people are very process driven. We enjoy the journey. And once we achieve a certain goal, we feel that sense of emptiness. I think we all are. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, um, I feel like, yeah, there was my goal for so long. Once I achieved that, it, I did feel, of course, like people would tell me, you must just be the happiest girl in the world. And I was like, I'm really stressed. Like, <laughs> of course, like I'm so overjoyed at this opportunity. But it's just what people thought it would be didn't really align. Why, you know, I was questioning why I didn't feel that sense of euphoria 24-7. You can't. It's not, it's not yeah, a it's not then I realized, state. Yeah, I had to fix what was within, you know. And it was recently I went home for Christmas in Perth um, for three weeks and I hadn't been back for a couple of years. And I thought out of all the amazing things that happened to me, like this was the most joy that I felt. Um, of course, it was great being Miss Universe Australia. I'm very grateful. But um, being with family, that was the most important thing for me. Um, so Joy going from the simple things, going back to those basics is really important. You know, getting if you don't have the foundation built, you know, everything else will crumble. Things like your sleep, your journaling. <laughs> Got that one from Adam. I can't take credit. Um, yeah, things like that. I think it's the foundation that you built your house on, and the other stuff, the accolades, those are just the pillars and. The cherries on top. on the top. Exactly. It's yeah. a, I, I used this analogy once in a video and everyone was like, oh, that's a really good analogy. But And it's just how I view mm. – sounds so odd. <laughs> Where I view people as trees. Like you look at a tree, if the roots are so deeply embedded and you know who you are and the core of you, you, you keep coming back to that going every time I feel unaligned, if I just return back to myself and the things I know to be true – then I'm always going to be led on the right path. But these other things that we go through life obtaining, whether it is titles, whether it is, you know, mm. money, th- material things, they're just branches that stem from us. They're not actually us. Mm. And so. As if they go. Well, if they go, exactly. Seasons come and go. Yeah. Leaves fall off. People come and go. So it's like this going through life with this goal that's supposed to direct you. Mm. But it's not the outcome. I think we're so outcome driven these days to have something to latch on to, to be like, I did the thing and the thing was great, but then what? Yeah. It's like that empty void after you get the thing, but it's mm-hmm. like you miss the whole point. It wasn't about the thing. It was about the process of becoming to yeah. get to that thing. Like who were you becoming along the way? The thing's just a bonus of like yeah. becoming the version of you that gets yeah. you to that goal. But this is the issue that I find with so many people because I constantly get people in my inbox asking me these types of questions like, how do you just like, how are you so driven? How are you so motivated? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not motivated. Um, (laughs) But it's because the goal is not meant to be the end point. I think it was Jordan Peterson that said you should always have a goal that's actually unattainable Mm. because then that means you're in this pursuit to obtain, like to to get there, to get better 1% every day. But when you have these goals, I think he used – Pretty sure it was Jordan Peterson. He used the idea of an Olympian who trains for, you know, years and years and years and years to win a gold medal. They win the gold medal and then they're so disheveled and they don't know what to do next mm-hmm. because their whole life has been about obtaining this gold medal or winning. This is from the pursuit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the, the thing I was going to say was I think when you're not present and aware in the moment whilst you're in the thick of it, you miss the whole point. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it's not about getting the gold medal or sure it'll give you some sort of you know euphoria yeah but then it's those little things you pick up along the way about yourself where you're like huh that's really interesting when I'm put in these scenarios or situations this is how I act this is what I learned about myself but we just like try to (laughs) cruise through life Mm -hmm. getting to that goal or that thing and that's where I realize now I have all these things that I want to do but I don't – what excites me now more is the process yeah. and the journey. Mm. Like it's actually more the process because the process is the uncomfortable part. Mm. Um, so, yeah. And it's nice to look back on these things. You appreciate them more in hindsight. Absolutely. When it's happening, like you said, it's almost like being in the eye of a tornado yeah. when you're in the thick of it. Um, and it's really important throughout that process to remain very authentic. I had a lot of people for some reason – um, give me unsolicited advice about how I should use my title, how I should show up mm. on social media. I've had people saying to me, how can you be a mental health advocate and not show yourself crying on social media, which wasn't my style, but I know a lot of people do that and it works for them. Great. wasn't authentic. To Everyone me. has opinions. Everyone. Opinions are like assholes. And the next person would say, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Everyone has one. But Some I, of them are shitty. <laughs> I haven't heard that. That's like an add-on. That's my add-on. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. TM that. But some of them are shitty. TM. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's some of them are shitty podcasts. <laughs> that could be a good thing. We interview, like, people that suck. <laughs> anyway, back to what you were Sorry. saying. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, when you're faced with so many conflicting bits of advice, you know, total polar opposites, how do you – know what to do and the answer is actually being authentic yeah it's the what's it called integrity the integrity integrity. is a word that I am just like it's just the only word I like to use now especially with like all this work that I'm personally getting myself into the reason why I think so many people listen to me like I was saying at the start I don't have a huge following I don't have millions of subscribers but for whatever reason people seem to trust me and when I ask these people like why are you happy to just donate this kind of money to me they're like Mm. because we know you're going to do good with it like we know it's authentic the way you speak to people the way you put things out there it's authentic to you if anyone else tried to mimic what I was doing it would come across as ingenuine and people can see that because it's everywhere now and we're having to work so much harder these days I think with social media to pick that out sometimes we get too picky and we try yeah. to rip people to pieces which I disagree with like cancel culture I yeah. hate that shit Same. um but yeah I think now it's you don't get away with you know being kind of ingenuine or inauthentic mm. because we just like people can see it from a mile away now I feel like Uh, building rapport is all about living in your truth you know and that's why you have that good community it's all about that quality not the quantity you know people who trust you because you are authentic and I don't think character like you can't fake character like character is actually an innate attribute of who you are like that's something you just can't bullshit yeah exactly right and to go, I realize I never answered your question, Adam, about um, how you are seven. So <laughs> I just want to interject you. quickly on this before you say that. Like, I like this little saying, it's like, be you, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, and that goes back to, you know, doing Miss Universe, how you said, how do you not compare? Mm. That's exactly right. We are, we are our own unique tapestry of attributes that make us us, you know? Wow. That was deep. Cheesy, that was yeah, dope. yeah. No, that was great. Um, we should snip that one. Yeah, 
Put that on a Hallmark card. Yeah, in the back of the Hallmark. Perfect. Yeah, we have some motivational posters yeah. hanging up. One doesn't like them. <laughs> like, why is there a fish bowl that says big results require big? It's ambition. a fish managed to jump out of the water. Like, I just nah, not a vibe. Okay. That's yeah. revolutionary, really. Um, Mine's but a true you. <laughs> let's unpack this. Let's unpack this. Mon. <laughs> Done better. That's all I'm saying. I get it. You're an expert at branding. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but Adam, you asked me a question about how to deal with haters. Um, and when I... I, <laughs> I didn't forget. But when I was crowned... Um, I had some comments, you know, people saying, but she's not even from here. She's an immigrant. How could she represent Australia? Like, what is Australia? Hello. What the fuck? Have you been People living so under a rock? We're a melting cultural pot. Um, and also, that kind of mentality is really frowned upon in Australia because you're meant to be inclusive. And um, those are the values that this country, as we it's know it today, the was whole founded thing. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> inclusivity you know things like that but then the comment straight below that would be like another typical blonde haired um you can't win either way yeah, another blonde haired australian girl if you had red hair they'd be like oh, yeah, oh another, another red, red head we've actually never had a red head i was oh, really? speaking to the team i'm like yeah it'd be great to dyed i actually thought about that and i wanted to dye it red recently but then i thought it wasn't living my truth you yeah, know yeah. it's not authentic to me to, um but, yeah, so I actually – I realised um, I don't really have a strategy on dealing with that and I cry myself to sleep. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no. I don't – I've got a pretty thick skin and that's it's a good Russian thing. It's the Russian in me, yeah. I could be – That's a thing. A bit of a hard like, mess, people, yeah. That's not even – because people say that about me yeah. and I will literally be like, it's – We get Croatian. shit done, yeah, you know. it's literally that. We don't dwell, no. you know. We've got things to do. Um, but I know – but I'm also like – very sensitive, you know. <laughs> You're human. I'm a little bit of a softie. That's Australian so. in you now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, Too sensitive. That's my spiritual side, I think. So my stoic, more stoic Russian side, I think that's when I really have to activate it when it comes to haters. But also um, it depends on my mood. Sometimes I, I see this a lot of the time. A lot of these hate comments come from men. Really? They really have a problem when, for instance, I would do a post about mental health, they'll have a bone to pick with me over that. Another mental health health page run by men, they actually commented, oh, you know, like, what are you doing? You're living a privileged privileged life. You know, you're posting all these pictures. Um, it's vanity. It's Who are you to speak about mental to health? Have yeah, success if you're supportive of people's mental health. Mm. And it's as though people with money and success – don't also have shitty mental health. That is ridiculous. Yeah, so I, sa- I said to these guys, I was having a bit of – I was a bit annoyed. Um, so on that day, I actually made a snide remark back. So sometimes I do that. I don't recommend it. World, I don't recommend it. But um, a part of me wants to put people in their place, but, you know, leading with kindness or whatever. So sometimes you got to um, just brush it off, send problem them with, a love heart, yeah, the problem send them on with, their way. The problem with, like – coming back with anger or coming back with like some position based out of like anger is that person whoever has this argument and instantly just like locks in their position. They win. Mm. Like they lock that's, in they their got, position. They they're got like, exactly they what they wanted. In, and they're like, well, because of blah, 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 blah. And then he's got two people talking at one another and nothing gets done. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's a waste of your time and energy as well. 
I don't know who told me this once, but it changed the way I looked at life. Even when you're replying to or responding to a hate comment online, you're actually exchanging energy with that person, even electronically, and it drains you, you know? Um, So Adam's right. Like I need to work on leading with kindness and brushing things off and not giving them that fuel that they're so desiring, you know? They want any sort of attention. They like water. (laughs) (laughs) Should we explain? Sure. I'm okay. So, so water. You just you just like lean in with these little. Be like water. <laughs> like what? <laughs> you should do ASMR. Lips. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like little, ASMR quotes. Yeah. <laughs> come out of nowhere like a chip on your. Oh, shoulder. you should put subliminals in this podcast, like calming subliminals. Is that a Simpsons reference? (laughs) Anyway, explain Um, your water. Anyway, so the idea of being like water is like it it molds to the environment around Mm. it. You know, it's in a cup. It fills in a cup. It goes, needs to go downhill. It streams downhill. But at the same time, it can be extremely powerful. Like a tidal wave Mm. can crush. And it's like you need to be able to, when appropriate, come with force. Mm. But majority of the time – you flow and you you roll with whatever's coming your way. Yeah. It's like a Bruce Lee quote. <laughs> I like to I like that. And it kind of to me, the way I interpret that, that is staying in your lane as well. And so what um about staying in your lane. Well, I conserve my energy and I don't announce until I arrive. I like to think of myself as a silent assassin. What do Just you mean because don't pe- to arrive, people so. don't see what I'm working at. People um, I guess I don't announce it until I have something yeah. to say. And when I do have something to say, I come full force. Um, and a lot of people said when I won Miss Universe Australia, I was a bit of a dark horse because um, I didn't go into trips because of the lockdowns, but I knew how I had to show up. I was like, okay, what's my advantage here? I can't go on a trip and mingle with a selection committee, but I can show up online. What am I going to do? I'm going to post two to three times a day so the sponsors could see so that I'm on their radar. Yeah. You know, so I know what I'm working on. I've got my blinkers on. Um, Other people may not see it, but I prefer it that way. I'm a big believer in energetics and I wouldn't go so far as to say the evil eye and things like that, but I do believe in the energy of people scrutinising you, almost jinxing your journey. So I like to move in silence. Um, I don't like... so much. I mm? talk so much shit. I say everything. And then it all, like half the time it falls apart. <laughs> <And I'm> like, <laughs> so I need to take a leaf out Don't of announce until you arrive. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like, all this stuff's happening. I get that. Unless I get that. There are times where it's important to announce and that is when you think that someone can help you on a journey like with you, Mon, building the school in Kenya. If you didn't announce that you were doing that, you wouldn't have got the investors on board. So Oh, you're absolutely right. And this is where it's funny because you saying when you get so excited about about um you know something that's happening mm. i used to do that always i used to be like i need to tell people now yeah like, right now yeah <laughs> but then i realized like that mystery that can be within a person is actually what can pull people in mm. when people when i go silent on socials or anything people are like she's doing something she's doing she something hates me. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate um, but then I come out with this thing and it's like a well thought out um project or a well thought out announcement or a well it's Mm. not just a sporadic like word vomit on people because it becomes noise at the end of the day when you're constantly out there trying to say you're going to be doing all these things and then you're not doing the things or they're taking a bit longer to do people are like you're full of shit 
And so I actually learned that lesson with what I used to do with like socials and content and all that. Mm. And then two things happen. I was like, one, I actually don't give a shit about people's opinions anymore. So I'm just going to do this my way. And then, like you said, waiting and timing things to be like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to give you plan ABC on how we're going to do it. And then people go, oh shit, she's actually thought about this. Like, she's not just going to be like, look at me, I'm doing this really great thing for the internet. It's like, oh crap, she's got like a five year plan. It's like, yeah, I actually have a 12 year plan, (laughs) but yeah, let's start with five. Um, So yeah, it's really, it's that excitement piece. I channel that now though. Like I channel that because when I come out with something, it's just like all guns blazing Mm. and people like, oh my God, fuck. Yeah. It's good to surprise people, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think I I still am pretty like I'm like a golden retriever. <laughs> I'm still very excited, and I I have I still talk about things a lot. But what I've gotten better at is detaching from if it like accepting like yeah. even if I talk about it, maybe someone can help. But also, there's still a chance that it doesn't happen. And when that when it doesn't happen, being being okay with the mm. idea that maybe I look a little bit silly to the people I've told, and being okay with that not working out and it just is what it is. But like, I think that the counter to that is just not like knowing that you're you're doing more than what other people wish that they were doing. Like I remember, and this, if I flip this on my head, I remember looking at people doing YouTube, doing what I wanted to be doing. And I would sit there and go, their content is so much shit. Like I could do so much better. <laughs> so I don't ever think that I'm like, these guys are way better than I could ever be. <laughs> so, but this, this was where the switch in my head went off when I went, like a little voice, literally like you sneaking into the mic. <laughs> little annoying little voice. Little annoying voice. <laughs> yeah, no, but this voice literally said to me, <laughs> I've got the punch in the face. <laughs> this little voice, third time, said, um, yeah, but they're doing it and you're not. Yeah. So you actually don't have the right to just sit here and criticise, which is what these haters are probably doing. Like, yeah. you know, you're doing something that's fulfilling and meaningful to you and they wish they were. So the only way they're going to retaliate is to attack you and hope that you bite back. So their expectation of you being a terrible person is a reality in front of thousands of people. But if you don't bite back Mm. and just continue doing you or staying in your lane, they've got nothing to go off. And with what you're doing is something that's actually benefiting other people. Shut up. Exactly. I feel like criticism is just um, internalised jealousy and resentment because people that are doing better than you or are ahead or happy in their lives. They're not going to bring you down. Why would they? (laughs) Because they're staying in their lane. They've got laser focus on their own projects. You know, they don't have the time or the energy or the desire to do that. Yep. And I wish more people understood that. Yeah. You know what? I've, I've struggled with a lot of this. Like I've struggled with people kind of, looking at my life, not knowing me as a person and being like, this person is X, Y, Z and therefore, you know, they suck or this coming to some conclusion that maybe sometimes they're right, but majority of the time once these people get to know me and and some of them, some of them do, a lot of them don't, but some of them do, it always comes back to going, you're completely different to how I envisioned you as a person. And I've like, it used to get to me a lot. I used to really struggle with it. I like, wanted to prove myself to I still do in some parts but I think it's coming more from like a central point of like okay I can do this for me and Mm. I can do this because I want to do this but a recent thing that came to light was this idea of like not taking criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from Mm. and when I heard that I was like shit okay so if someone who's like a top fashion 
icon or whatever says to me, hey, look, you need to do X, Y, Z for your, you know, these are the cool things you could do or like this looks kind of stupid or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, take that criticism. But like if Joe blow down the road, like I would, prime example, I went to <laughs> went to Bendigo and I I went to, I was DJing in Bendigo a little while ago and I went to this like pub to set, check out a venue afterwards and there was this like dude that just like rough ass guy <laughs> that was having, you know, the type like read rural Vic rough ass <laughs> dude in his fifties um, having drinks with his mates on a Sunday. I come in wearing like just some, some like cool pants and tank top that I've been like repping a heap and the tank top, you know, the tank top, <laughs> the tank top can be like, every second episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, he, fully had this like weird crack at me. He's like, oh, is this guy from France or something? And I was like, and you know, maybe a version of me in the past would have gone, would have gone, oh, okay, that's awkward. But but me now, I'm like, I looked at the guy and I'm like, I just laughed. <laughs> I was like, I was like, maybe. Maybe, then, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. Um, and he was real, he was confused mm. that I didn't either A, get like defensive or yeah. B, get aggressive like or like sad about it I just like fully brushed it off and I looked at the guy and I was like wouldn't take fashion advice from that dude this is irrelevant (laughs) a simpler example is (laughs) you wouldn't take I wouldn't personally maybe somebody else would but why would you take health advice from an overweight doctor yeah Mm. yeah I always find that weird I don't under like if you're gonna sit there and tell me about my health and heart condition but you are struggling to breathe at this point I'm sorry, but I can't take advice from you because you're not living proof and example of practicing what you preach. Like that to me is a red flag to be like, until you sort that out, I can't take advice. It's Why would you take financial advice from someone who's broke? Yeah. Or, you know, an accountant that has hundreds and thousands of dollars of debt. What You clearly can't manage your finances. Why would I trust you with my finances? And the relationship advice from single people that aren't married. You know, marriage advice from people that – Parenting advice from people who don't have kids, you know, it's yeah, makes no sense. It doesn't. It actually doesn't make sense. But online, when you don't know that about people, you'll sit there and take this criticism. But these people literally exactly have no idea. Like when I went on, um, when I went that TikTok that went viral, and then that Daily Mail thing, and someone, some like. Boomer from Byron's like, oh. this guy's a criminal. Look at his criminal tattoos. What a bogan. I believe they said peasant tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it up on screen. <laughs> all right, all right. We're, we're getting distracted. Um, now, your, your journey to being crowned Miss Universe mm. in Australia is um, an interesting one. I'd love to hear, you know, in a bit more depth, the start of it from day dot, mm. the journey all the way to you being crowned. And yeah, like the challenges you faced and the times. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, just, I'll keep asking me questions. Also. <laughs> so this is a bit of a crazy full circle moment. I'll start at the end and then I'll backtrack. So when I was nineteen, I thought I'd try out. I was dabbling into modelling, things like that. I thought it would be cool to try out and do the Miss Universe Australia program. I rocked up. I it took a lot of guts for me to even apply. I rocked up. I was. Uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed and very early. So I was number 27 out of probably 150 girls that rocked up to the CVD that day. This was back in Perth. Um, And then, so I was number 27. I was given a number and I have a photo to this day. I posted it on my Instagram. And I didn't make it through that day, 
But and I was very discouraged, which I'll talk about in a sec. But when I won, I was 27 years old. So I oh. thought that was so crazy. And you know, I love signs. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in signs. Yeah. So to me, I only realized that recently and I was got a bit emotional because that was kind of the universe telling like me in just the stars. wait. Yeah. 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 Don't give up. I'm like, oh my God. Same. So <laughs> Um, I, long story short, I tried out, we had to do a walk and a CBD. There were lots of people, just shoppers, lots of crowd, a big crowd, essentially. I had to do a walk. I didn't know the first thing about doing catwalk. I was very reserved. My voice was shaking when I spoke into the mic. A lot of people are very surprised to know that I'm actually an introvert and I'm generally quite shy. I'm not shy. Um, well, I was shy, um, until I did MUA. It's almost like when I do these speaking engagements, I step into my alter ego. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah internal, so internal family system. You know what's funny? Everyone says my alter ego would be like a Russian redhead. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that sexy Russian black widow. Like, is she brunette? And they would be like, I don't even know what the name. I remember my friend saying it to me, and I was like, Lana. Yeah, like, something like that. Svetlana. Svetlana. Oh, Oh, I love that because that's what we call my ultra ego as well. <laughs> <laughs> this, is meant, this is meant to be. The sassy Russian in me. Wow. But anyway. Anyway, we've become best friends. It's funny because when I would listen to your podcast, I'd say to Adam, I'm like, me and Mon are going to get along like a house on fire. You said this one thing and it is my life saying. It, oh. is, it is what it is. And I'm like, i got a tattoo. <laughs> Can I get a matching tag? Yeah, are you sure? Do it. I actually oh, will. Right. I'll write it. I'll I promise you. Matching tags. Oh my god. <laughs> There's some trauma around that one. <laughs> we'll unpack that later on. Oh, no, we won't unpack oh, that okay. one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll unpack that later. You guys, you guys? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, go back to the story. And then, you know, I spoke into the mic. I was like, hi, I'm Daria. I'm studying commerce. I'm a disability support worker. Um, and I did the little catwalk. My, I had this twitch in my face whenever I smiled um, and people looking at me when I, whenever I was on stage or on camera. doesn't happen now, but I always used to get this oh, muscle spasm. Yeah. Do you know? Like, I don't know if you've experienced Actually, that. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... It happened to me every time and it was quite visible. So anyway, I didn't make it through. About 60 girls got in and like the rest were sent home. And I was one of the girls that was sent home. I remember they were calling out all the numbers. I was just waiting for my number to be called and it wasn't. It's so stressful. I know that feeling. Yeah. So now when I'm mentoring the other Miss Universe Australia girls, when I have my mentor sessions with them, when I speak to other hopeful um, entrants, I tell them the story. Um, so I didn't even make it through into the program. I did, I wasn't even a state finalist, you wow. know. So um, I moved to Melbourne. I dabble in acting. Then I do modelling. And I thought, well, I gained a bit of confidence. I've grown up. Why not give this pageant thing another red hot crack? I actually did Miss World Australia. So I became um, – that was – uh, a few years ago now so I became a national finalist and to me I'm like wow like that's quite an achievement because back then I couldn't even get into a pageant program um, and then I still don't know the first thing about pageants and I walked on an uh, international yeah. stage I don't think I even watched the Miss Universe pageant like I love all that. the way through um, <laughs> but I probably should have done more prep anyway um, 
So, (laughs) (laughs) that is my life philosophy, but all my best work seems to come from winging it, you know? But anyway, so I did Miss World. I went to uh, Queensland, competed in the national competition. I didn't place. And I was like, you know what? I really feel like I should do Miss Universe. Um, Give it another red hot crack. And then I did it and I actually placed fifth, fifth place in 2020. I was very stoked, top five, you know, from not even getting into the program. And then I thought... 2020, how old were you? 25? Um, I was 26 okay. at the time. And I thought the next year I'll just give it another go because there's an age cutoff and that's 28. And okay. I've always been a believer that you need to um, go full force in your 20s, try it all because you don't want to look back once you have kids or if that's what you want to do um, or settle down or settle into career. You don't want to have any regrets leaving your 20s. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'm going to do this every year. Um, and if I win, I win. If I don't, I won't have any regrets. I would hate to, I don't know, get to 35 and look back on the year I was 28, knowing it was my last year. I didn't give it a go and I could have got the opportunity. Anyway, so I gave it another go and it was just so hard to do it two years in a row in lockdown. It's very draining because it's great fun. It's great personal development, great friendships and opportunities, but it is mentally draining um, and but having said that, I thought no matter how tired I am, I'm going to do it next year because it's my final year. But I didn't have to because I actually won. Um, so I love telling this story because that's, um, I guess, a prime example of how you need perseverance on that's your way. Three attempts. Three attempts. If you count Miss World, that's four attempts at this thing. Um, and you have to really love it and be passionate and know your why as well. So my why was because since I was a child, I wanted to have a platform like that. Not only did I want to be, and because I've, I was, I felt drawn to it. I was called to do that. I always wanted to be an author. I always wanted to be a oh thought leader. Oh my god, same. <laughs> <laughs> that was my dream as a kid. I wanted to be an author. I know. Oh my god. <laughs> We're the same person. <laughs> Um, the Svetlana's, I, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> maybe I am Russian. Maybe it's because we have that very unique standpoint of being, you know, um, Yugoslav, like former Yugoslavian, yeah. Russian, um, Soviet Union, but also Australian as yeah. well. Like that There's very so unique many, yeah, diverse recipe. pieces to it. Yeah. And I think like, I know for me growing up, the reason why I wanted to have a platform to storytell and say things was because as a child I was never allowed mm. to I had to sit you down be voice. the good little yeah. girl like had to play everything by the book so then I got to an age where I finally have the opportunity to speak I'm like good luck shutting <laughs> me up now like no chance but now it's about having a responsibility with a platform where people do trust you yeah to then be like well what do I want to say now like and when I say it I mean it and I want to do more with it so that's where I'm transitioning exactly. now but I totally understand that whole element to it. It's yeah. this, it's an upbringing thing that, um, yeah, those like Slavic kind of countries, it's just, it's literally ingrained. It's in your DNA, yeah. like, and the resilience, all those things, which I'm grateful for. Like you said, you know, there mm. are elements to it where I'm really grateful for. Um, Character building. Absolutely. Like we literally can get shit done, get through anything, but there's also a downfall to that to the point where, for me, I emotionally can switch off like that. Mm. <laughs> Why are you laughing at him? <laughs> like I can cut you and say goodbye really easily. <laughs> and <be> like, <laughs> she gets it. not helping his anxiety. Um, <laughs> but 
it's not a, it's not a good thing. Like yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. Like in some places it can when I can mm. actually draw a line, but then there are other elements where it's not healthy, and yeah. I've identified that now. So <laughs> I'm growing up. I'm getting there. Anyway. She gets it. But <clears throat> yeah, that inner savage. It's <laughs> I love that. That's a good one. It's Svetlana. It's not yeah, us. Yeah. Um, Internally, but, internal family systems, integrating oh, all yeah. these different versions of you into one whole. It's important to have um, self-respect yeah. and know when to walk away, but um, you also need to practice forgiveness, all those Absolutely. things. But I feel like we've gone off on a tangent again. Yeah, tangents um, are good. We, we tangents, tangents are great. Um, yeah, but I think... So, yeah, challenges for faced, me. Miss Universe, like doing it three mm. times, not giving up. Yeah. How other people can possibly, you know, take lessons from... The fact that you did achieve this like huge goal, exactly, but you failed a bunch of times. I think I also wanted to show people that um, uh, you can be a bit more introverted. People often think you have to be the loudest person in a room to stand out. I wanted to show them, hey, no, you don't. I could stand back in a corner, let other people have their time, and when they, I get called up, I will happily take up that spotlight and that limelight, and I am not afraid of it. And a lot of people, people, a lot of time, people are surprised by that. And I think that's a great way to be personally because you could learn so much by just shutting up and listening to others. But then when you're huge, that's a yeah, that's a huge. And when you're invited to speak, that's your time to actually contribute to the conversation. But my other reasoning was being an immigrant as well. I'd look at the past winners; they were like six foot tall, they were beautiful blonde beach Australian girls, and I thought that could never be me. You know, I'm too Russian. I don't speak like them. I don't, I'm not as... Yeah, how the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to do that. Give us the best Aussie butcher. accent, go. <laughs> I can't, I'm going to butcher it. I'm not good under that pressure. Um, maybe off camera. Uh, <laughs> that's um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I wanted to show other hopefuls and other, I don't like that word, hopefuls, but other girls like me who want to do something like this. You know, you could come from any background you know doesn't matter about your height um yeah or your the introversion scale like you can show up and also you know mental health was something I was really passionate about but also disability um being a former support worker since I was a little girl I actually um could empathize a lot for people with disabilities you know being in Russia there's not a lot of reform around that so there was a man in my building who um, was in a wheelchair and every day I would play outside and I'd see him looking out the window and I thought, I wonder if he's happy, you know. Maybe he was perfectly content, but to me it seems so unfair. I got like, to enjoy he these things. get outside. He couldn't get outside and it oh wasn't – they, we didn't have the resources in Russia. We didn't have the support workers. No one would help him. The support workers would help him on a day-to-day physical functioning basis, but – was that really fulfilling? I don't know. I was too young to really understand yeah. what was going on. But then when I was 19, I saw an ad on Gumtree for a support worker and I got into the field and I never looked back. And I knew that if I got this opportunity of being Miss Universe Australia, I would give back to the community somehow. So um, I actually wrote a letter to the CEO of Special Olympics Australia telling him the story from when I was um, five years old in Russia to when I moved um, to Australia and I still had this burning desire to get into the support work field. Um, he liked it and he named me um, their first official Special Olympics Australian ambassador, cool. actually. Um, I love that you took the initiative to go and do that. You have to be a go-getter. Yeah. People think once you get the title, like, that's it. You could just kick back, no, relax no, no, no. and not do any work. 
It's actually a lot of work. You have to create something. Yeah, that's what it Literally. Um, So now, you know, we just had our um, national games in Tasmania. They happen once every four years. And I'm actually going to Berlin with them in June for the international games, which is so exciting. So exciting, but it's so rewarding as well, you know. So if I did anything with my platform, I could happily say it was this, the Special Mm. Olympics ambassadorship. I'm so happy. Mm. So, yeah, in a nutshell, that's why I wanted that platform for all those reasons to – give people permission to show up as exactly who they are, be unapologetic about that and also show them what's possible as well. Like you can. Yeah, you don't have to fit a mould. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Can I ask a quick question? Just going back to before you, I don't know what you're going to ask, but um, (laughs) yeah, I never know. Um, How are you with rejection? Like, you know, you had four attempts essentially Mm -hmm. of doing that. Every kickback, what was that like and what did you kind of do to not – kind of fall off the rails or go, well, I can never do this because Mm. so many people would have given up and it would have been really hard to come back from, you know, being told, well, essentially, like you're not pretty enough or you're not beautiful enough Mm. to be in this pageant. Like how do you deal with that or getting told no even? Like when you want something really badly and you get a no and you feel disheartened, what's the thought process that goes on around that? I think rejection is just redirect. Oh, my God, I say that all the time. Okay, great. Good answer. And so you can now answer your question. Just had a little little thought um, and it's kind of irrelevant to what you were saying yeah. but not so much. So I think that society is like the, the evolution of a society is how they treat their old, the old and the weak. And it mm. probably shows a lot about like where Russia sits at the moment or I don't know if it's better now but – well, you, so you, that the story is from you know the old man in Russia right, when you were a kid. It's definitely better now. Yeah. yeah. So at the time versus Australia, like we have a huge support for like you know people with disabilities, the elderly. Like there's all these mm. different systems and and supports in place that really help to lift these people up as much as. And yes, I'm sure there's issues. I'm sure there's things to work on. But fundamentally, there's a lot of care and thought put into these and. Yeah, I feel like the, the, the countries and, and the societies that focus on those things, like it's, real, it's a real good marker of like how successful a society has become. Exactly. Because the people who can achieve and do, do and lift everybody else up. Well, that's, that's what blue zone countries and cities are. They're, have you heard of blue zones? The ones where people lift right Yeah, because they, they – no, but they're like the happiest. they people. Yeah. The Inuits. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Inuit heritage. They're oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, Blue zone. <laughs> so yeah, they. But they <laughs> had to throw that. Three percent South Sydney. Fun so fact. <laughs> Is it a competition? No. Um, no, but that's why that they look after the elderly. The elderly are a lot more. Um, oh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, it's a bit late now. <laughs> um, <laughs> the little snippets. It's just, just going to be like, like well, sorry, you yeah. keep pushing sorry. me out. Anyway. Um, Yes, they incorporate the elderly in everything mm. and that's why a lot of these people, as well as like other factors like diet and whatnot, live to be over 100. Yeah. And I think like what you said is very true. It's not just about GDP. That's mm. not a great measure of a country's success per yeah. se. It's, yeah, how you treat your people. and um, not It's not about discarding them but integrating them into the community. Yeah. Um, and the whole world is catching on, you know. There's Absolutely. reform everywhere. But Australia is definitely a leader of that, you know. Um, with the size of the NDIS, they just injected so much more money into that and that's billions, you know. It's the greatest nation-building project. 
um, that we've had to date. So, yeah, it's very exciting times. But to answer your question about rejection as well, I've got one more thing to add on that. I think when I was 19, I definitely took that rejection of not making it into Miss Universe um, Australia personally. I thought I'm not pretty enough. It's because I look like this or I sound like this. I was too traumatised to pursue modelling. So I wasn't that great at rejection. But I think what I struggle with now is perfectionism and that's Mm. my own that's fear of rejection from myself almost like the self-sabotaging I could reach out to the Special Olympics CEO no problem I don't care I've had so many no's from reaching out to people Mm. um but I think what I'm afraid of is just putting myself out there when I'm not ready it's not the actual rejection it's putting myself out there feeling like I'm gonna I'm not gonna live up to my own expectations and disappoint myself Yeah. I, I feel like the key piece there is the it's not the rejection itself, it's the attachment to the narrative or the story that you're playing out in your head of who you are if this is accepted. Mm. And you wanting that to the point where you can't fathom, you ha- you're, you're already kind of trying to live it before it happens and then in that process of it not working out, you've got this form of loss mm. because you're like, oh, I could do this and I could do this, but it's like, you never had that in the first place. Like, chill the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Roll with it. But um, another thing I wonder when you're saying like 19-year-old you, you know, said you're not pretty enough, blah, 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 blah. It's like how much of that was true and then how much <laughs> of that was glaring to the point where you're like, oh, shit, this is what I need to work on? Um, when you find that balance? Well, it's probably just internalised feelings of being a misfit and moving to the country it's not about, you know, I guess um, beauty or uh, my looks or vanity or anything like that. It was about not looking a certain way, I think, the way that I thought someone that represented Australia would look. So I think I just internalised those feelings a lot. So I don't know. They weren't true. Well. In the long run, they weren't true. Yeah. And also, <laughs> I guess, times change as well and. Um, our representation of diversity in media changes as well. Um, I may not be ethnically diverse, but culturally, yeah. So um, I don't know. I'm very proud in that sense. I'm, if anything, I'm proud that I didn't give up. That's the thing that I'm most proud of. Yeah, so I can talk about that and not feel shy and, yeah, stand confidently in the fact that I didn't give up. That's probably, I guess, that tenacity and determination would be my best traits in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> not a no, it's a not right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, it wasn't a no, it was a not right now. Yeah. yeah. So how did Miss Universe, like, you know, winning Miss Universe Australia change your life to the positive? Oh, so many ways, I think. Uh, someone said to me once, uh, they compared it to, like, wearing an invisible crown almost, and um, I would have felt Tiara. that. <laughs> and Oh, my gosh, we won't mention that. Should I mention it? No, I won't. Well, there you have to because yeah, okay have to, yes. now I have to um, we can't do this to the listeners but Mon you might like this <laughs> okay, so I can't believe I'm admitting this and I told have you t- <laughs> <laughs> I actually my heart is pounding just talking about it oh my god why? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no no because it's so embarrassing um I told yeah I already told Adam but um basically in 2020 I was trying to manifest becoming Miss Universe Australia so what did I do? I was like, well, if I don't feel confident um, that the crown belongs on my head, 
then how can I actually step into that role? I have to feel like I deserve to wear this crown and I have to get accustomed to that feeling. Because it's, I don't think this is embarrassing at all. It's, I think this is awesome. it's what they say about dressing for the job you want, not the job you have. Mm. So what did I do? I went on eBay. I typed in tiaras. I got a little plastic tiara. I love that. It's great. I love and it I was too. like, I still have it somewhere to this day. No one knows this. Literally, no one. Um, so heard it here first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Call the press, but you're the OGs. Um, so yeah, I put it on my head to feel what it was like to wear it and I would look at myself in the mirror and I would have to tell myself that I'm deserving of that. Yeah. And I would picture myself walking into a room and mentoring the girls, you know. I actually had a dream. This is a crazy thing. In 2020, not the year I won, um, the year before that, I had a dream that we were in lockdown and then I was crowned as the winner. So it didn't happen that year but it happened the next year <laughs> in lockdown over Zoom, you know, I had a dream about it. It's so. so, I think it's it's the whole, um, you know, you're speaking so much about manifesting. I talk about this all the time with people because people will see the things that I do and go, oh, you're just so lucky. These things just happen <laughs> for you. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, hold, no, hold on. When people throw around that word manifesting, I literally had this conversation with someone the other day. It's a buzzword. Um, oh, I, ha- I hate it. It's like it <laughs> such a buzz kill. It's a buzz kill now. Um, but mm-hmm. they're like, how do you just manifest this stuff into existence? I'm like, what does ma- what does that word actually mean to you? And they're like, oh, it's just like having something you want and then you just essentially just get it. And I was like, this mm. is where people go wrong because manifesting is the initial thought or the idea. Mm. You can say you're going to manifest something. The next step is a step that people don't like doing, which is the action part. It's the part where, okay, so you know you want that to the point where you're sitting there, you're feeling it, you've got the crown, you've got the dress, you've got, you know, you can actually visualize yourself in these rooms and, you know, on the stage or whatnot. But then it comes, the next natural step is to do the work. What are you doing every single day to try and etch forward to making that manifestation a reality? And then it gets to this point where the visualization has to get really strong. So your mind, your Mm. body, like every cell in your being has to basically tell your brain it's happening. Like it's, Mm. it's just a matter of timing Mm. now. Mm. The last stage, I think this is me fully making this up by the way, because this is just how I see it in my (laughs) head. But the last stage, stage four is flow. You get to this certain point where you're over the mountain and now it's like, okay, now The universe just has to do your work. Yep, do the yeah. work for me. It's in motion. And it happens. I am sitting here right now doing the exact same thing you did, not with a tiara and <laughs> dress or anything like that, not entering Miss Universe, <laughs> but with a school. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> what would I have? What would we have to do to get you? <laughs> I did Miss Croatia. You'd be great. What for my soccer club in 2012? They have like a whole nationwide pageant, and I swore to myself after that, never again. Oh my gosh! Yeah, never again. I'd love to see Mr. This. Croatia wins. Yeah. Whoever the girl partners, he becomes Mr. Croatia. <laughs> anyway, but I'm doing that right now with the school. Yeah. I close my eyes and there's two songs that I listen to every single time. And every single time I close my eyes, I am there in that village and don't know why this is happening, but I can see the documentary that I'm going to create and the opening scene with the drone flying over the school that's been fully built now, um, right on the drop of this song. And I've said to everybody, this is going to be the song that I'm going to release in 2024 with a video of this exact scene happening in my head. It's like it's too real for me wow. to not happen. Yeah. Should we talk about what's happened in the last couple of days quickly? 
What's happened in the last seven weeks? With, with this whole school development and what your, your goals are. And oh, yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> oh, pre- it's not really about me, but we want to hear it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how much you know about it, but basically when I went to Africa last year, I um, came across this woman in this village in Loiter Hills and she had this incredible story where in Kenya there are 43 different tribes and every tribe, so they practice Christianity as a religion, um, but every tribe basically has their own set of laws and culture. So much like Russian, Croatian culture, there are these things that aren't really rules, but people just follow them because it's tradition. That's it. Um, so in the Masai Mara, the girls and the women are seen as inferior. So they are seen as next to nothing to the point where they're traded by the time they're nine years old for three cows. And in their culture, they're not allowed to remarry and they're not allowed to divorce. So basically when these girls are traded – they're also generally mutilated, and by the time they're 13, they're married off. And they're married off to men who could be 70. Helen mm. was uh, 13 years old when she was married off to a man who was 70, and these men also have multiple wives and multiple children. And so it's crazy because in their culture, women do everything. Women build the houses because it's taboo for a male to get on the roof. Really? So – it's insane. It's actually insane because they cook, they clean, they give birth to the children, they look after the children, but they're denied all these things like education, getting any form of a skill set to try and be independent in any way. Um, knowledge is empowering and it breaks that yeah. whole mold. So, yeah. so anyway, she basically ran away when she was 13. A Catholic nun found her, gave her an education, and because she was given that opportunity, she felt it was now her duty to go back to the community and do the same for the girls, which is exactly what she's done. She's built a high school or a boarding school for young girls that she rescues to go to where she gives them board, food, education. They all follow the Kenyan curriculum, so there's the process of if they want to go and study to be a doctor or a lawyer, if they want to be a tour guide, whatever they want to do, there is an actual career path for them to follow. Um, she started a widow's village. So all the women that have been left on their own, um, that can't fend for themselves, she takes them and their children in, teaches them new skill sets, teaches them, you know, she's got all these programs that she's set up as well. Um, I mean, there's still two more things she's done. Like this woman is incredible. She started an eco camp that's fully sustainable. So when tours come past or people want to stay over, there's a whole campsite that she's built from scratch. So nothing, they don't even cut down trees to build fences. Like, because she's like, you shouldn't have to do that. There are enough resources here to use where we don't need to be cutting down trees to build fences. So she's found this plant that's so strong that elephants can't get through. What is it? So I don't know cool. what it's called. Um, cool. Yeah, so the whole thing is, like, surrounded by this one specific plant that grows in, I think, the whole of Africa. I'm not too sure. But anyway. Um, and then she's also started a nursery school because she identified the problem being it's all well and good to rescue these girls who are 13 or 14 and put them in school. But what actually has to change to break the cycle is educating the boys mm. and getting them mm. in school because they're not going to school. So they're just, again, in that whole cycle and tradition and that's what's happening. The boys become men. The men follow through with the traditions. The mm. girls are the ones that are left out alone. So the important piece is like education can- it is absolutely absolutely and so she builds this school with four classrooms and her whole idea is that she wants to build it like the Maasai village so that when these kids come they don't feel displaced they don't feel like oh Mm. I've been like taken from my not taken from my family but you know I'm now having to go to this place that's foreign and 
And so her dream is to complete the whole school and have four classrooms. So there's eight, which basically replicates the Maasai village. That's how they're all kind of like built out. So I heard this story and was like, well, shit, how do you just go back to life? Like you can't, like I, I could not turn a blind eye. And again, like I was saying to you at the start, I just knew there was this knowing in me that was like, I can make this happen. No idea. I do not have $120,000 sitting in my bank account by any means, but I can make this happen. So I was like, all right, if I do this, I actually want to show people that social media, when it's used for good, and when a collective group of people come together, being strangers, being, you know, neighbors, whatever, we can actually create change. And Mm. it can impact not just a child, not just Helen, but this actually breaks cycles and it also changes generational lineages. And that's the thing, that's the point I'm trying to drive is like we build this school, which we will, these boys and girls get to go to school. They get to grow up to, you know, follow their passions and do what they love. I get really, I'm about to cry. Like it actually gets me really emotional. Um, They get to go to school and then they get to have kids and they get to give these kids opportunities that they've been given and it that's how it like starts to break the cycle and that's where I'm trying to get everybody excited to be like you can be a part of that mm. you like you may never meet this shot <laughs> no shit 30 if 30,000 people donated a dollar I'd be uh, done like so, mm. so donate a dollar uh, like donate. <laughs> but, plug. you know yeah but it just it goes so much deeper because I think like you were touching on or like we were touching on at the start of this podcast, you can do all these things and you can have these goals and you can, but are those things actually fulfilling? Like for me, everything shifted when I came back home because I thought, well, all I want to do now is be of service to others in a way that's going to give me something in return without the expectation that it is going to, but that energy exchange of just doing something from the purest part of your heart to better somebody else's life, like that's everything for me. So now my whole thing is, well, how do I just keep doing that? And how do I keep growing that? And how do I get other people excited to be a part of something like that? I love that. I feel like so often people are so fixated on the process. Well, I wouldn't even know how to start. I wouldn't know how to do that. But really you have that goal in mind um, and if you are passionate enough, you connect the dots as you go. You find a way always. That I came came across on a podcast on fulfillment that – do you know Tom Bailey? Yeah. I was listening to his podcast with a diary of the CEO. Yeah. Like, and I wrote a note about it and he said fulfillment from an evolutionary standpoint. Uh, it's working hard to acquire skills that matter to you that allow you to elevate yourself and others in the service of a goal that's both exciting and honourable. And I was like, fuck yeah. I love that. Um, and then fulfillment allows you to then withstand those moments of unhappiness and mm. those moments of challenge. So. The question I'm asking myself this year, the entire year, so every year I give myself, I set my intention for the year is generally a question. So last year it was, all right, if you had a year to live, what would you do? Like, cool, you've identified that, now go and do it. What's stopping you from doing it? This year my question to myself and to anyone who asks is, when all is said and done, will I have said more than I have done? Mm. That's it. Like I can sit there and write all these bucket lists. I can sit there. No. When all is said and done, will I have said more than I have done? So As will I have, she wants to do the opposite. I want to do the opposite. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and that is the thing that's going to guide me forever. So now that I've come out, again, timed it, announced, all right, guys, this is what we're doing in 2023. We're going to go and we're going to build this school together. And you've also got halfway to your goal in a couple of days, right? Two days, yeah. Yes. 
all because I, and this is what's the cool thing about the internet. Like I connected with somebody at the start of last year who saw what I was doing and was like, dude, like I love everything you're doing, everything you're putting out. Um, and I remember him saying to me, he's like, we're going to do something really great together at some point. I was like, yeah, sick. When I come to Houston, we'll link up and we'll do something. And then today he surprised me with a $15,000 donation. Wow. Yep. It's done. Do you know what's so funny? A bit of a tangent once again, but I was speaking to someone in the industry back when I was a model, when I was on set for Target or something. But then um, one of the stylists, we were talking about um, – networking and I mentioned you know the power of networks and um she said that she doesn't like that word like it's sort of like a dirty word yeah right and we talked about that and I don't know like I to me a network is something you build um kind of effortlessly it's mm. just network is connection you just yeah. connect with the people that you meet you form a connection We're all networks but I think yeah but yeah. I think sometimes people there's a negative connotation because people think it's there's some sinister purpose, some manipulative um, desire behind that. So and this is a really big, important point. Thank you for bringing that up. And I have made this very clear to everybody that's, like, been a part of this. I don't just want to be another white girl that comes into an African community, seriously, and try to be the saviour. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I have nothing to do with anything because Helen is the one that has driven this movement mm-hmm who has changed an entire country's view on women. I just happened to come along and be like, Hey, I just want to empower you. What does that mean? Okay. That means doing the marketing and stuff that you don't have access to, to try and raise these funds. Um, I remember actually, it's very funny when I was telling people about this before I even started any of it, he was an older man that just sat next to me at a cafe and we started having a chat. Anyway. Um, and he kind of brought that up to me, which wasn't something that I was think. I was never even thinking about that being my role in any of this. And he kind of said it in a way where I kind of took a bit of offense to it because I was like, hang on, you don't even know me yet. You're going to make this call. But he was like, oh, another person going and like saving a village. Mm. And I was like, ouch, first of all. But I was also like, hey, yeah, you've got to be careful with all your communications and the way you go out with stuff Mm. you never should be the person in front of the camera it should be if this is actually her story it has to be her story and Ray so the guy that donated the money he said that to me he goes I've really loved and respected your video because you put her at the center of everything like you weren't even in the video it was just a voiceover here and there and so I think five years ago I would have really taken that comment to heart to be like how do you judge me you don't even know me But then I was like, ah, shit, you know what? This is going to actually be at the forefront of everything I do because you're absolutely right. I don't want to play that character in this whole thing. Things only hurt if they have some modicum of truth to them. Yeah. Like if some guy's like, you look like a potato. (laughs) You look like a watermelon. Or someone like, I don't know, someone could be upset about being called a potato. But like, you look like a, I don't know. Everyone loves potatoes. You look like a phone charger, like something completely <laughs> ridiculous, right? You'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, because it's if, irrelevant. Yeah. But if there's some relevance to it or you believe inside yeah. that maybe it's true or maybe in some like part of you that hasn't, that some insecure part of you, you're like, fuck, they're right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm so grateful for the rando who sent the that rando. to me at a cafe. Because Randy the rando. <laughs> <laughs> I actually forgot his name. Anyway. Gives you a chance. 
I reflect it. I really yeah, reflect yeah, it and I look at timings as well and I go, mm. shit, had I gone out with this three months ago, it would have. And people would have been like, wow, look, you're just trying to be, you know, this is this because it was me sitting in front of the camera being like, hi, guys, me again, please donate, Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I struggle with that too with the Special Olympics. I thought um, who am I like not having a – disability myself who am I to speak out about this but then I realized the voice is not mine it's still theirs what I'm doing is using my platform to yeah I'm using my platform to elevate their voice further you know it's better it's better than me not using my platform at all you know so and that is exactly what I've learned and it always comes back down to integrity like I have to check in with myself and be like why are you doing this like, are you doing this to actually benefit these people or are you doing this for clout on the internet for people to be like, oh, my gosh, she's such a good person? And I know that I'm doing it for the right reasons because every single time someone says, what you're doing is so amazing, I feel this, like, ick. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, thanks. Like, appreciate it. But it's got nothing to do with me. I'm just, mm. like, the key in the ignition, that's, like, turning this thing to actually catapult it into a direction where – it's going to actually benefit everybody that it touches. Exactly. You know what, as well, though? Like, as much as it sounds a bit rough, we all, as humans, act in selfish, like selfishly. We all act selfishly. None of us are going to get out of bed without some selfish desire for an outcome. Luckily, you can also be selfish and do things that better the world. So it's okay. It's okay to be selfish and you can also – make positive change. Yeah. So you're, you know, in some way you're acting selfishly because it makes you feel good to be able to help. But at the end of the day, you're doing it for you yeah. and that's okay. I don't and know. So- I don't know if I believe that. My whole life I've heard that there's no such thing as a selfless act. I think of my friend Kristen. She told me the other day, she's like, every Friday I go volunteer at the soup kitchen. She just randomly told me that. She's been doing it for years. She'd never broadcasted or anything. It makes her happy. I know. And I knew you were going to say that, but I just, it doesn't sit right with me because um, I, I'm not sure I believe that. I know, I know the construct behind that thought. I think you're, I think you're just having a negative connotation to the word selfish, which is what I'm trying to break. It's not a bad thing to, like it's just a reality of the, the world that you are doing something that you feel benefit from. If she didn't feel joy and contentment and happiness from doing that act, mm. she would not do it. And that's just a reality. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying as yeah. well, actually, now that you've explained it. I get, I get what you're both saying. This is really great. This is like a <laughs> – You don't always feel joy as well when you do these things. Sometimes like, it's self-sacrificial. But and, maybe you, you feel know. joy in the sacrifice. Like yeah. I'm saying that you always get down to the core of yeah. your motivation. It's by like something. a chicken egg and chicken and egg situation behind well, the motivation. First. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to just let's kidding. let's agree to disagree. I'm You're not kidding, kidding but that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. no I, I I completely I actually there's so many elements I agree with. So you. Mark, what do you yeah. think? Uh, well, <laughs> there's really two sides to it, right? But I feel like that kind of takes away from what you're trying to do. Why why are we you know, even why is it up for discussion, the motivations behind it? Like you got one of you just said, you know, if you're actually doing the act and helping the society, why not? Why does it actually matter if you. It matters for you. Like it matters for you to understand what. That's, doing. yeah. No one else. No one. Who gives a fuck what anyone yeah. else thinks? It just matters for you to see it and then you can harness your motivation as best as possible. I think for me, it, just to answer it and like we can end that <laughs> before someone throws a punch. <laughs> but I Nothing think. Me. 
I think <laughs> that's Svetlana. Svetlana, throw the punch. But which Svetlana? I'm not sure. About yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I think the difference for me is like I really felt like before I wasn't doing anything to contribute mm. to society, and people would always tell me like, "Yeah, but you do. You help so many people with their mental health, and you know your videos help people." But and I was like, "Yeah, but it, it it's not enough. Like I should be doing more." So going on that trip, like I said, coming back, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't at least try to do something, yeah. something more. Mm. Like if I, it's not even like if I was to raise the 30,000 or the 120,000 to complete the school, if I didn't even try, that would have killed me. Mm. Exactly. Better so have, what were you going to say? Better to have tried and failed. It That's it. You know, I was just going to say, I really believe. <laughs> what? What was yeah, that? Like, <laughs> I think I think that community centered work is one of the foundations of happiness. So I recently got asked to do a local Melbourne TED talk and they asked me which um topic would you like to address and I thought, you know, what is meaningful to me? What has helped me in my life? And it is the principle that, you know, when you do something for society that actually really imagine you didn't have audio the entire time. Adam just moved the mic closer. <laughs> but um yeah, without that, I think you could have all the money in the world, your own friendships, but without that, I was going to say selfless attribute, you know, something that gives back to the community around you, building that community. I don't know if you could truly have that happiness. I feel like it's an essential pillar. I'll go back to what I said before with the fulfillment from an evolutionary standpoint, working hard to acquire skills that matter to you to allow you to elevate yourself and others in the service of a goal that's both exciting and honourable. I just, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> we had to hear it twice. <laughs> no, 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 no. So honestly, I, really, I just want to drive it is a the great point because we're yeah. kind of talking yeah. about the same thing again. Yeah, it's a great quote. Um, going back to, that was a very solid tangent <laughs> and we're almost out of time. So I just want to, there's one thing I really want to ask you and then we'll talk about just some general things mm-hmm. and we'll call it a day. But um, what has, you know, what did Miss Universe change in your life for the negative? Oh, okay. Um I think being recognised on the street, not that, you know, I'm super famous or anything like that. Is but Daria? <laughs> <laughs> I think I really enjoyed my anonymity. Like I loved, like prior to being MUA, Miss Universe Australia, not makeup artist, yeah. which a lot of people <laughs> the first time you said that, I was I'm like, I'm also a makeup MUA. artist, so I'll take the credit. No, I'm not. But um, prior to that, um, I loved being anonymous, being able to roll out of bed, go for a coffee. So I have a coffee shop um, downstairs. I literally roll out of bed sometimes. Um, Sometimes I wear my pajamas and I throw a jacket on top and go get my coffee. The other day I went to do that and the barista was like, sorry, are you Miss Universe Australia 2021? Oh my gosh, we follow the pageant. Like everyone in this cafe actually knows but I keep thinking every day of my life, I keep still thinking I'm anonymous to completely everyone. Yeah. And it kind of makes me a little bit paranoid sometimes not knowing, you know, if I'm scoffing, sitting down scoffing burgers and fries and like, like being super unattractive and like I'm being watched or someone could take like a sneak. you have to be on all the time now? No, I'm still very much me. I can't be on all the time. I'm just uh, in my own bubble all the time. But, like, if someone could take, like, a sneaky snap of me, like, that never occurred to me before. Yeah. Another day I was in an Uber with my friend and we were talking about something super personal to me, which we probably shouldn't have done in an Uber, but I, it's that anonymity thing that I fell back on. And 
when the Uber dropped me off, my friend was still um, on the ride and he turned to my friend and said, was that Miss Universe Australia 2021? Was that Daria? Oh, my gosh. I wanted to ask for a photo, but I was too shy and I was gobsmacked because I was just unloading all of my personal trauma. <laughs> and this is how rumours start and this is how the tabloids and the press get hold of these things. It's the Uber drivers. Yeah, they're all – got microphones. Yeah, it's always the Uber drivers. You know those Instagrams overheard in LA? Yeah, like, and all they're those, so funny. All those stories. I'm going to end up on one of those. But um, I think that is a little bit challenging for me. And with my personal goals, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to doing a TV show, something like that. I have to get comfortable with the fact that, you know, as my platform grows, my face might be a little bit more recognisable. I may not have the anonymity. So how do I still maintain that sense of privacy and introversion? It's hard. I think you, when you develop like a platform and some form of fame and stuff, like you do get benefits from it, but you don't belong to you anymore. You belong to the people. Mm. And it's really tough. Like that's, that's a, you, yeah, there's pros and cons. Like there's no free lunch in any of this shit, is it? I, you know what? I'm glad you said that because that is something that I'm struggling with at the moment. And like I've just said, the power of social media when it's used for good, it's Miss great. Croatia. <laughs> <laughs> there are photos somewhere. We have to see it. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I, I think about it a lot. Like I would love to just disappear off social because mm. I just don't. And But then I think about all the things that I want to do and I'm like, but there's this constant like dilemma like, I know that it can be used for good, so how am I going to use it for good? Mm. But the it's goal must be the, the purpose must be higher than yeah, absolutely yeah. no, absolutely. But I feel that whole thing, and it's why even now I think like, have I actually been the person that's holding myself back because I don't actually want people to know who I am? Like I actually enjoy mm. being like just this little. YouTube or podcast or whatever. That's why you want to be a director as well. Yeah, I want to be – I actually want to be behind the camera. For some period there I had to be in front to like gain – Yeah, yeah, learn and get people – confidence. Yeah. It's really hard. Oh, it's – it is. And I'm glad that I did it because now I could – you could put a camera in front of me and I'd be like, all right, what are we talking about? Like Mm -hmm. let's go. I feel so much more confident. Like I've realised whenever – like I'm a super confident person. You guys know me well. Like I'll talk to a brick wall and I'll talk back. Like it's it's ridiculous. But you put a camera in front of me and I'm like, (laughs) I'm a mess. And I'm like, holy shit, what's going on here? Why am I insecure? I couldn't look at the camera. I couldn't do any of that stuff. I did a photo shoot because I needed some like work shots and I could barely look at the camera. I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? So I recently did a second one and it was like three, four years later, three years later, and they're completely different photos because internally I've begun to work on this ability to be in front yeah. of the camera and look and just look at the camera and like be okay with that yeah. and not be afraid, not not feel like the camera in front of me is a, is just this world of judgment. And yeah, it's it's become really powerful because now it's fed back into my day, my you know one on one conversations and like my eye contact's improved and my ability to like sit in silence is improved. It's so it's really good. Like I think a, a skill that everyone should be able to develop is get comfortable talking on a camera because it really yeah. brings out your oh, yeah. insecurities. You know, editing YouTube videos for an entire two, two and a half years where it would be me just sitting there talking to myself, I learned so much about myself. Mm. I learned about what my eyes do when I get nervous. <laughs> like, But it literally was like psychoanalyzing myself because I'd have to sit there for like six hours editing a video of just me talking mm. 
But now I'm just – it got to this point where I'm like, I'm so fucking sick of myself. Like yeah. I actually can't stand looking at myself to this part where I was like, I really love these little quirks you got going on, Mom. See, we never like, stop to analyze we're, – we're, we're never – we're rarely in a position to stop and yeah. analyze ourselves. There was this TikTok trend going around, which was really positive, and I really liked it um, a few months ago, and it was – um, where you record yourself just like talking in the mirror or doing something and I was like look how beautiful you are this is how other people perceive you and I'm like wow like that's a really nice way of looking mm. at yourself mm. and I wonder how people do perceive me like these little quirks that people notice about you you know like yeah it's, it's nice I think you've got to be really and I say this to all of my friends and I like always I'll always call people out on it um, you've got to be so careful with the words that you say to yourself because if you if you're mean yourself like oh you're an idiot you're a piece of shit oh you always do this like all that stuff one your brain manifests those outcomes in your head two it gives it it subconsciously creates this permission in your head that it's okay for other people to talk to you like that mm. and that's both of those things are fucked and let's go one step further because we love. Analyzing and psychoanalyzing everything. <laughs> we all love psychology uh, here. <laughs> no, 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 not episode of psychology today. <laughs> no, but look at the word spelling. Words cast spells. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. like uh, when I looked into like the it's called gematria, like the um, the geometry of words and numbers. It's very, very like. But it was really fascinating because that's when I started paying attention to the words I was using mm. and how I was mm. speaking mm. to myself, how I would speak to other people when I get nervous, how my vocabulary changes, when I am overconfident, how it changes. And it literally, say literally is the word that I, when I'm trying to think, that's that's mm. my void word. That's like the mm. word I put in instead of um. Albeit. Albeit. <laughs> albeit. <laughs> God, if I, start, if I start saying English. that. Um, but it's so dangerous and dangerously powerful as mm. well. Like, uh, yeah, I think – just knowing those little things and even looking at the way words are spelled mm. says a lot about the words and it's the whole manifest thing. I think also to add a little bit of pseudoscience to that psychology take, what? I think it lowers your vibration so much to speak so unkindly to yourself that you actually end up attracting people of a okay. similar vibe, people that don't wish you well, that don't want you to succeed, people that may even think these things of you. You know, if you think highly of yourself, you're not going to yeah. – you're naturally going to cut those people off and not want to associate them. Yeah, exactly. I love that. We love a catchy quote. Oh, really? <laughs> that one up on the wall next yeah. to the fish. <laughs> so um, what's one piece of content, book, podcast, or that has had the most impactful impact on your life to date? Okay, this is one a bit thing. of – I was – I something came to mind oh, straight away. <laughs> Jumping the gun. Sorry, I got excited. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so something for me um, – there's a book, it's The Alchemist, and it's so simple, but I don't know why. Like I've, I read a lot and I read a lot of books by different thought leaders, um, psychologists, people like that, but this book is so simple. It's Have you read it? Yeah, so great book. It's set up like a fable, right? Yeah. And something about that speaks to my core because it resonates with my inner child. Um, <laughs> she is ticking every box for me right now. I really um, appreciate oh it. So, <laughs> I'm just trying to impress you, you know. Um, it's, you've done it. You yeah. nailed it. You win. So I actually gave this book to my brother to read as well. I think um, – and I'll give it to my mom. I think it's so important. Um, I think we need to speak to that inner child to reframe a lot of those, and especially for, for us, you know, the things we struggled with and internalised mm. being from a very rigid culture with rigid beliefs and ideals – 
Um, I really liked that book and that kind of made me, uh, well, I already knew what was possible, but I drove that concept home and made me realize, wow, like it really is all possible manifestation, things like that. Um, law of assumption as well. Like just knowing your life will be great. We, it's our birthright to live yeah. a great life, to give back to the community, to live comfortably and, um, to give, yeah, to just surround ourselves with great people. So Absolutely. that's the book for me that, yeah, changed that. everything. I've all read it, so. Yeah, it's a simple read, you know, it's um, a quick read as well. So you start to like this whole journey for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. I think going back to the manifesting thing, and I say this a lot, everything you see in the world was once an idea in someone's brain. Mm. Every single life-changing, like groundbreaking thing was some little pop of whatever synapses like firing in a certain way, coming from a higher Mm. purpose, coming from who who the fuck knows. But... (laughs) Everything was an idea in a brain that was then turned into something through work. And, and people collectively collectively believe it. Yeah. My thing is always like, who came up with the name chair? Like, why is that called chair? Why isn't this called chair? And then you could go back, right, and be like, well, it's because it derives from this word to this word. Yeah, but who decided that? I know. It makes my brain hurt. Oh, Someone just went, so that's funny. a perfect word. Yeah. Car. What kind of word is that? Car. <laughs> Yeah. It makes no sense. And yeah, every, you could literally date it back to the Latin times in blah 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 blah. Yeah, okay, cool. But one person sat there and went, "That's called a chair." Yeah, and everyone went, "That's oh, called a chair. chair." I mean, I reckon you can with thing with things like cars and like tech words, you could surely find a person yes, that yeah. you could see where it originated from. That's in our time, you know. For so memes. I'd love to interview <laughs> no, interview means. them, get inside their head. Like, why did you decide to name it a car? Like what was the thought process there? Yeah. So well, I, there's I I listened to this podcast on um called the All In podcast. I listened to it heaps, and the guy, one of the guys on there, he was really early on Facebook and worked mm. as one of the creative or one of the directors for it or something along those lines. And he was talking about how him and his <laughs> team coined the term data scientist <laughs> like, and how it, he was the first one to, to do it and that the only reason why a data scientist that he he called he gave someone the data scientist job was because some site like some PhD wouldn't take a job that was like data analyst. He's like, I'm a scientist. And like, cool, we'll call you data scientist. And then from there, the, the whole thing. So do you want to know why blue zones are called blue zones? Why? Because the people that were studying these um, cities only had a blue pen. <laughs> My and so gosh. when they were asked if you had a red pen, he's like, it'd, it'd be called red zones. Wow, red zone sounds negative. Yeah. yeah. Blue zone's great. Yeah. Blue's my favorite color. But, you know, if, like if he had any other color pen, if he had a purple color pen by chance and was circling and writing everything wow. like on the map, these are these, it would have been purple zones. So it's just collectively or green. when you hear about insects being named after the scientists that discover them. Yeah. And they're yeah. all like, yep, that sounds about right. Yeah. All right, let's <laughs> on with that day. Name it after me. <laughs> Imagine being like – being a meteorite that like hits Earth, <laughs> you're like named after that. You're like, Fuck. <laughs> Let's not finish on like that a, negative note. Or like a you know, or a tornado that just destroys everything. You're like tornado Janet. You're like the Janet. <laughs> I really shouldn't have come up with that one. Oh my God. Okay, so <laughs> moving forward. So tell us, what is a per- what does a perfect day look like for you? Oh. Interesting. I used to get asked this at work and for some reason I I always struggled with this because I, what did you call it, internal family systems that where there's different facets of my personality, they're all in flux and they're all in battle with each other. That part of me wants to 
wake up on a beach in Barbados or somewhere like that and work from my laptop, go for swims, drink fresh coconuts and dance in the evening and a part of me could see me um, waking up, going to work at my not-for-profit, you know, being a CEO, making an impact. Um, Let me rephrase it. <laughs> let's rephrase the what, question. What is – what if, it, if you woke up tomorrow yeah. and had the perfect day within your – Within reason of what you can actually achieve, what would it look like? Okay, within my means, that makes sense. Well, I guess I'd have to think about what makes me the happiest. For me, um, spending time in Perth with my family, you know, was so incredible. When are you awake? Hmm? When are you waking up? Like, what are you eating? So he wants to know the nitty-gritty. Oh, you want the play-by-play. Okay, so I wake up. I'm at my family. What time? Gosh. Um, If I'm... Being ideal, I guess, six okay. in the morning. Oh my God, my day's over by six. <laughs> <laughs> I'm halfway done everything. through my sleep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so I wake up at six. I, um, I'm i in my family home back in Perth. I have a coffee. Then I might have another coffee. And then another coffee. <laughs> and then I have anxiety. <laughs> coffee doesn't impact me that much. But um, I'll go for a long walk. I like to do 10,000 steps. I'll do it by the beach, actually. So I'll drive. I'll get my brother in the car. He's on school holidays. which Or he's just wagging school because I'm a cool sister. No. Just stay in school. <laughs> don't wag school. So then I drive to the beach with him. We have our music in our ears. We're just playing our own music. We um, do our 10,000 steps. We go for a little dip in the ocean, a little swim. Then we go to the local cafe, have a juice, sit chat about life, um, then I might go home, read a book, um, listen to some podcasts, do What's a little bit. the weather bit. on the day as well? Well, it's Perth, it's summer, so probably like 32 degrees, okay. which is like for me, but yeah, Perth weather is the <laughs> best. No, Perth <laughs> weather is the best, not a cloud in the sky, blue skies. Um, there'll be a bike ride somewhere in there. I love riding my bike. I feel like I feel the most ecstatic when I'm riding my bike or, um, being, yeah, going quad biking, jet skiing, things like that. Have you meditated? Have you journaled? Have you done that's coming? That's coming. I actually finish a day. I'm just getting excited. (laughs) Actually, um, we were talking with mom before, and I mentioned this to you, Adam, the chronotypes. I'm a dolphin, so a lot of I've the motivation that I feel happens in the afternoon, like around 3 p.m. That's when I feel really activated with my energy. I want to get my work done, but I'm not working on this day because it's my perfect day. Um, but if you do what you love, it's not work anyway. But, um, yeah, so I actually prefer to work out and do things like meditations and things like that in the afternoon. So I will do that. Um, yeah, I do a lot of stuff like that, but I feel like – I don't know. In the evening, I might go for dinner with friends, try something new, um, have a great chat. For me, I'm happiest when I'm around my people, my select community. People in nature. Yeah, people in nature, I think, make me happiest. The things that are, um, yeah, just very different to my um, public persona or my professional life, going to events, things like that. I love it. It's lovely, but I love to bring it back to it's basics. The simple things, like the simple it joys is the of simple life things. that yeah. always – I mean, exactly. we've spoken about this before, like baseline. If you can always just come back to that baseline and whatever those things are that ground you, mm. the stresses of your work or your you know life outside of what keeps you happy in those moments, it's just easy yeah. to come back those to. Yeah. Do, those things that you can do without – 
external yeah. people impacting them. Yeah, exactly. Key for the strong family. And that's the best feeling. For me, when I'm listening to music, I'm on my daily mental health walks. Like, I just feel incredible. I have my best ideas. I feel clear. Um, Comes from yeah. the silence and space. Exactly, yeah. Um, cool. So, like, and what do you want to be known for from here? Um, Everything's done. I think if someone described me, I'd love to be described as a philanthropist and an activist and an entrepreneur, those sound lovely, they sound great. Um, but, yeah, I just want to be known as someone who um, is kind, genuine, warm and really passionate about what she does and very ballsy too, not afraid to go after what she wants and gives others permission to do so as well. Yeah, I love that. Well, I think you're doing that already, so that's Thank you're you. on the right path. <laughs> and uh, final question, what is the why of all of this? What is the meaning of life to you? Oh my god! You can't just bring that to me. Do you ask all your guesses? No. I don't remember. I'm reading these episodes. questions and I'm like, dude, these are like a really hard question. Get, I'm getting better at this. You're making me sweat. Better, <laughs> or are you just no. being mean? No, no. Bonus no, round. Better. better. Yeah. Okay. What is the meaning of life to you? To me, the meaning of life is connecting with others, and I was going to say selfless acts. Um, giving back to the community and creating that positive ripple effect, the butterfly effect that will impact the entire state of the world for years to come, hopefully in a positive manner. Mm-hmm. So doing as much, being as kind to yourself as possible, but also to others too, leading by example, mm-hmm. you know, that's a good life to me. All right, cool. I think uh, we can end it on that. Thank you so much for coming in, Daria. Thanks, guys. So <laughs> lovely meeting you, and I'm so excited to see what you do next because I Likewise. think yeah, you're going to do really incredible things. Thank you. Until next time. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.